0: Jane Condon, Tony Deo, and Sean Eli, welcome to Coffee in the Clouds with Comedians. We have another session today. I'm really loving these sessions. Um, We're going to be talking about everything. We're going to be talking about life pre and post COVID-19. We're going to talk about the industry, the business, et cetera. But we're going to go counterclockwise here. And uh, well, actually, we're going to start with Jane. Ladies first. So thank you. Jane, who are you and what do you do? <clears throat> don't tell
1: It's uh, a
2: secret. What? Oh, no. My name is Jane Condon, if you like me. If you don't like me, my name is Sean Eli. Um, <laughs> no, I'm a mom. I live in Greenwich, Connecticut, but I'm still a nice person. And I'm originally from Brockton, Mass, though, and that's a very tough town. Um, they they were tear gassing them. But I know Sean said he wants us to be happy, so let's um, – but it, it – it, it really is a tough town. But um yeah, I'm I'm good. Uh let do you want my credits? I don't even know what to say. That's enough. It, That's it, enough. It, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's awkward to promote yourself. No, just tell where you're from
1: and then no bragging. That's apparently the, the way it goes. Okay, got it. Good brag.
0: Tony, you're up at bat.
3: Uh yeah, my name is Tony Deo and I've uh, been a stand up comic for a little under twenty years now and I've also, I came, uh, I was a, a band director before I was a comedian and, uh, still during the summer, uh, during the summers, I write marching band shows, which was originally how I sort of paid for my comedy career and then got to a point where I didn't need to do it, but I'd done it so long, you know, it's just a part of who you are. Cool.
1: Yeah. So it's. I guess the seasonal business that works well with comedy because things sometimes slow down in the summertime.
3: Yeah, it's always been great because, yeah, comedy clubs are kind of slow in the summer and uh, marching band is uh, huge for me in the summer. So they've always sort of dovetailed really well.
2: How do you get into the marching band business?
3: (laughs) Uh, You start marching band when you're in sixth grade (laughs) and it's the only thing you think about for the next uh, decade. And then when you're done, you're like, I guess I could do this as
1: a job.
0: <laughs> and and Sean, who are you and what do you do?
1: Oh, okay. Um, Sean, Eli, I've been a stand up comedian not quite as long as these two uh, 16 years. And I worked in finance before that. And I got started because I was on a date with somebody who said, hey, why don't you try stand up comedy? <laughs> and so I said, no, I'm not a performer. And she said, take a class. And I did. And few years later, I said, I don't want to work in finance anymore. I don't want to wake up in the morning. <laughs> it was the best trade I ever made. My life is much better. So,
0: right. Sean, we, we've done a couple of these so far. What can we do in this segment that would be so much better than the other <laughs> than <laughs> the other segments that we've already done?
1: <clears throat> we got better people this time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I actually wanted to Tell a story. I worked with Jane a few years ago, and she knows where this is going. We did it. I did a show just after Trump was elected, but before the inauguration, in Maryland. And one, we do Q and A with the audience after the show. And one of the questions we got had something to do with Trump. And one of the comics went off on Trump. And all these nonprofit theaters, they they basically operate on a shoestring. And so anybody who donates money has a lot of power. And they got a complaint from a donor saying, "I didn't appreciate." you're making fun of our future president. So they told me not to, they told us not to be political the next show. And it's the first time <laughs> been told what not to talk about. Yeah. So I spoke to Jane and the other two comics. And I said, Hey, this is what happened. Please don't be political. And the first question we got during Q&A is because we were there right after inauguration yeah. was why with all that's going on, didn't you make jokes about politics?
2: Can I take over from here? So I raised my hand to say, because we'd been muzzled, you know, and instead I'm looking over at Sean thinking, he probably wants to come back to this theater. So I said, uh, because we're unifiers and not dividers. But I really wanted to tell them a few jokes out in the lobby. Well, I've taken it out of my act. I don't do uh, presidential. We always used to be able to punch up. I don't know if you did it, Tony, too, but like now people are too sensitive. So I just took that slice out. You're either totally political, or you're everything else. Right.
3: I I sort of felt that way from the very beginning of my career. Like I was mostly a road comic, and you could there were either political comedians or there weren't. And I worked in the south. I started in the south and worked a lot in the Midwest. And I just sort of got the feeling a lot of the shows I did, people they don't want to hear what I think. And I do sort of think it's my job to let them forget about the world. And especially, you know, the last several years, people would love to, for, you know, no matter what side they're on, they don't want to hear about it. So it's been sort of easy. I never really uh, did political jokes. So I haven't had to change much.
1: Well, Jane, I thought what you'd said, maybe I remembered wrong. I thought what you'd said in Maryland was, hey, didn't you come here to get away from all that? Like, you don't want to hear about politics.
2: Oh, I thought I said we wanted to be unifiers, not dividers. But it's, it's sort of similar. Maybe you're right, Sean. I don't know. I've, I got the little COVID brain. Things are getting a little soft up here. Um, I used to blame it on aging. Now I have a whole pandemic to blame it on.
1: I, the family. Uh, I, I actually, when I started out, I would do some political jokes. And I realized, from <laughs> this standpoint, it's kind of a bad decision. Because no matter what you say, you're pissing off at least a third of your audience. So I I didn't do any political material. But then when I started touring internationally a couple of years ago, I discovered that as soon as they heard I was an American, and it wasn't part of my intro, then they'd certainly figure it out as soon as I opened my mouth. They wanted to know where I'd stood. So I would specifically do a Trump joke at the opening just to let them know, hey, America isn't the best place in the world. We've got our issues too. And after that, it worked fine. What I use my opening joke a lot of times is I'm happy to be here, but I'm from New York. I'm happy to be anywhere I can park for free.
2: <laughs> oh, I love that.
1: That works a lot of places. Obviously, not in New York City. <laughs> but what I, I couldn't do that overseas so much. But what I would say is I'm happy to be here, but I'm happy to be in any country where Trump isn't the president, and that would get applause. Right. From That's the- a winner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But actually. What happened when I was in South Africa, I was there about a month after they'd thrown out their president for corruption and I would open by saying, I'm happy to be in any country that actually gets rid of its corrupt politicians and they were yeah. Too. Yeah. But
2: was- I, I love that you did in the ones you've just told us is you're really in the room up front. You go local up front. Tip O'Neill said all politics is local. I believe all comedy is local. So I always start like with where I am or whatever the group is. My first question when someone hires me, particularly for corporate stuff, and I like to say I'm not a club comic, I'm a country club comic, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Tough job, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> but my first question is always, who's the audience? That, right. The rest flows from that. Yep.
1: And I am a lot of the shows we do and part of being an MC, <laughs> is you've got to warm up the audience by asking questions. It's called crowd work. <laughs> and doing a show at a country club in Greenwich, Jane. And I asked a guy up front, you know, what do you do for a living? And his wife next to him, and you can tell, uh, people are going to call this sexist, but sometimes you can tell the relative wealth of a guy in a country club audience by how much younger his wife is.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. The coffee wife. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and so I say, what do you do for a living? And his wife says, oh, he has an oil company. Wow. By the- the guy who delivers the heating oil by truck to you to the tank in your basement She oh, good. Company.
2: <laughs> oh that's great
1: i looked down at her and i said just one
2: <laughs> listen my plumber has a mercedes so you really don't know in that town who's <laughs> got it
1: you clog your toilets
0: <laughs> it's
2: a very valuable person
0: what would you guys be doing right now if we were not in a pandemic where, where, where would you be what would you what would you be doing
2: Tony, you want to go first? Uh yeah, I try
3: well, I used to be on the road every weekend. Uh and then uh, my son was born 6 years ago and I sort of backed off on it and I try not to be out more than every other weekend now. But I would either likely be in a club somewhere, uh I do some theater shows, uh but yeah, I'd be doing stand up somewhere.
2: Yeah. And I love the theater shows. Um, yeah, they're great. Years ago, I won Ladies of Laughter, <clears throat> and that got me on the Ladies of Laughter. And then Sean gets wonderful theaters, too. And it's really, oh, theater audiences to die for. They're yeah, just wonderful. They're, <laughs> they, they're very they're kind of easy laughers, you know. Yeah. They haven't had too much to drink. They want to be there. Um,
1: and, sometimes people are like, it's 9 o'clock at night. I've been with my entire company since 8 o'clock this morning. I want to go home. Then- oh no, well that's
2: the corporate one. Yeah. No, I still remember I did Stanford Business School Stanford Women's the women of Stanford Business School, great, um, an alumni group. And all I remember about that was I was on at the very end, I was on like at five in the afternoon. They did just want to go home. You know, so you should just say, How many people would like to go home? <laughs> I mean you just if you're actually with them, whatever they're feeling the only other thing I remember from that show is it was on the next to highest floor on the World Trade Center of course pre going down and it of swayed course. and I just thought I have got to get the hell out of here. I was Did you very really spooked. feel it? I yeah. was very spooked. Did, has anybody else been up there? Yeah. It was Yeah. I was like this is not a good venue for Janie Condon. <laughs> yeah. I, I love need ground
1: her Boston accent creeps in every Thousand word or so, you hear something.
2: When I get emotional, <clears throat> you should have heard me yesterday. Um, I had this little four o'clock funny show we do just Thursday and Friday. And Christine Hurley, who went to the same little Catholic high school as I, um, she just had a glitch on America's Got Talent. And every comedian who watched this, our heart went out to her. You know, everyone's had a time when the curtains just come down on you. <laughs> and I, I... I People, I think people have a lot of recovery lines. I say, like, well, you hire a menopausal woman. What the heck do you think is going to
1: happen? <laughs> but, I use the same line, by the way. What? I use the same line. Oh, yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm sure it works even better for you. <laughs> even funnier. Um, but it's uh, what I love is I do it with three Boston women, and they're hilarious. And I find my accent drifts. I'm not saying the r's so much and uh we uh we both went to cod spell Cardinals Bowman high school and it's just but la- yesterday because i was so emotional about the show kind of mistreating her <laughs> i was all a h's and it was it wasn't pretty it was funny to the audience i think because i was out of control and i've been sort of i've been a little bit civilized by Greenwich, not entirely <laughs> but um you know, it's just, it, it's, it's very different. Um,
0: so what, what would you guys be doing if you didn't find your way into comedy? I mean, was it destiny? Was it going to happen no matter what? Was it just, this was it or, or, or how many other careers have you bounced around in? Before I, tried you to, landed?
2: I tried to go straight. I really <laughs> did. I tried to be a responsible person. Um n- Everybody in my lawyer had everybody in my family had been like a teacher or a lawyer. My dad became an FBI agent, but my mom was a first grade teacher. And so just that I was a journalist at first, I was a teacher first, but then a journalist was like crazy town (laughs) and then the thing folded, then we lived in Japan for five years. I wrote a book on Japanese women. I came back, I'd lecture about Japan and people would laugh just from my little story because I didn't lecture. I just told them little funny stories, things I did wrong in Japan. And I thought, you think this is funny? Let me tell you about living in Greenwich, Connecticut. That's a foreign country, you know, when you're a blue collar kid. So it was, um, It mine's been a very oddball career. I'm not, um, um, yeah, I am a mom comic. I know Tony's kind of a dad comic. And, yeah. oh, this is your busy weekend, isn't it?
3: <laughs> it is. Because actually, tomorrow's my birthday. Oh. And <laughs> Sunday's Mother's
2: Day. You're
0: double dipping. You're
3: double yeah, we we'll cram it all into one weekend. It's
2: well. just, I mean, Mother's Day is my biggest weekend. There aren't that many mom comedians. And yeah. we get a lot of work, you know. Uh, yeah. But if I weren't doing this, um, I know once I started it, it's very addictive, Tom. Um, the first time I went up was at Treehouse and it was an open mic and the best comedian in Connecticut, Johnny Rizzo came up afterwards, and he said, pretty good kid. He said, get out of this business while you still can. Cause it's very addictive. <laughs> that is the God's truth. See God. Now I know I've been hanging around with these Boston comics. This is what's happening. I'm going to try to say my R's, but I don't, you know, honestly, um <laughs> makes my throat kind of um I found my tribe, I found hmm. my people. It took a long time. You know, I, again, tried to go straight being a teacher, being a journalist. I worked at um, uh, Fortune Magazine, Life Magazine, then I moved to Japan, I wrote a book. But then when I met these people, they would just, there was something about it. Even though we're all socioeconomic levels, sexes, races, and I, I, I've long I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out what do we have in common? And I think for a lot of comedians, is a great pain somewhere in the background.
1: I think what we have in common is we interrupt each other with jokes. So I want to tell Tom, if I weren't a comedian, I would be working on a hospital takeover of the New York Distance Learning Association.
2: <laughs> That's a great joke.
1: <laughs> your father was an FBI agent and your mother was a first grade teacher. So I have to ask, which one of them used their gun more in the line of duty?
2: Yeah, well, it was close, I'm sure. My, my dad actually got... Um, I always wanted a BB gun. And uh, my mom said, I'm trying to raise a young lady, Joe Condon, he finally gave in. And then we would shoot my mother's Pyrex bowls, which she did not see the humor in that. (laughs) And then I found out later, the real reason why he gave it to me was he wanted to shoot the pigeons that he felt came out from Boston on his front lawn. But (laughs) I mean, I should do an act out of this someday, because I don't know it was something wrong with the gun or that the pigeons were particularly i kid you not we would shoot the pit try to shoot the pigeons it would like bounce off Then the pigeons they're like give you your best shot you know? <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, i i i madly deeply love this brockton it was um i went back there you ever gone back to your childhood home so i i pull in our old house is is, is a dentist office oh, that was sad wow. And the lawn I'd raked and mowed, because I was like the boy in the family. I had two sisters and a brother, but he needed another boy by, you know. Anyway, I was the outdoor worker. And um, <clears throat> they paved it over, but I parked. I went around back. I just wanted to see if the blue spruce tree I my mother for her 15th birthday was still there. And it was, and it was big and beautiful. But the story I want to tell you about my mom is just... Um, <laughs> sorry, you shouldn't laugh at your own jokes, but what the hell. Anyway, so... Anyway... <clears throat> Every spring, the State Highway Department, we lived next to the highway, would plant a tree in between our house, uh, several trees in between our house and the highway. And every year, like clockwork, my mom would go out and dig up the tree and she'd plant it in our backyard. <laughs> and I finally got the courage to say, Mom, you got to stop stealing the trees. She said, Janie, I'm not stealing. I'm a taxpayer. I paid for those trees. <laughs> <laughs> My mom was really she got a speeding ticket a week before she died, okay? That's my mom, say no. Wow. She mm. was amazing.
1: Tony, uh, have you done Zoom shows? What's that? Have you done any shows on Zoom or
3: I've not. Um and sort of the best way I can describe it <laughs> is that I love stand up in its purest sense way too much. And I think Zoom shows are such a bastardization of what I love about it, I uh, I would I would rather become a band director again than-
2: So <laughs> you do doing... 45 minutes or nothing?
3: Uh, well, yeah, kind of.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was quite a downscale for all of us. The first people asking us for Zoom shows, here are all these headliners and no matter what you did, you were doing at, le- at least 20, you know? Yeah. And all of a sudden it's five to seven and they're like, what? and then pay went and you get in a tip jar instead of
1: yeah Yeah. i'm a little annoyed i understand people need to be entertained i think it's not so much i mean we need the audience because we need it for timing but the audience needs the audience they've got to hear each other and i've resisted doing zoom shows because i well part of it is we've got to earn a living too and i understand people are hurting but there's so much free or almost free comedy that's professionally shot with an audience on Netflix and YouTube and, and I think the only benefit to doing a semi-live, I guess I'd call it, Zoom show is you can actually talk to the audience and they can feel part of something. But-
2: I, I, sorry. Yeah, I've actually become a fan of Zoom shows um, because, you know, intellectual exercise, which five to seven are you going to be, be doing? This was sort of odd. I did 45 minutes for women veterans group last Friday. Boy, did that feel good, Tony. You know, yeah. it's just like, <laughs> it was like being back in the saddle, you know, where yeah. I boom, 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 you know, I know how, whereas rather, rather than compressing right. what we do. Um, and, but I've had a lot of funny things happen in that. I have friends who just say zoom show. No, I'm out of here. Cause I had one fundraiser that was converting to virtual and, um, I was going to work with Lenny Marcus, and he said, <laughs> Zoom, no. <laughs> so it Sounds um, like Lenny. Yeah, no, it was very to the point. And, yeah. um, but w- a couple of good things. One is we can do West Coast now. Um, right. I, yeah. My very first Zoom show was, um, it was called Laugh Out Proud, Out West. And then they're like, 8 o'clock, Saturday night, bam, back in the saddle. And I realized that their 8 o'clock is my 11 o'clock and i'm like you know you better put me on first because I, I, <laughs> you, you might come on and i might be like this at the and well i wouldn't have done that because my roots my I, it's been taken care of don't worry it's been handled last week connecticut opened up but um and then the other thing was ugh, this was awful i got a call to do a birthday party i'm sorry i not to brag i've been doing this more than 20 years you know i'm kind of about 10 years beyond doing a birthday party Then she said how much she was gonna pay. And I thought, I would love to do a birthday party. (laughs)
3: Um,
2: Because I really like customizing my material. That was the fun in it. But she didn't really know how to run a Zoom show. Like we've all had to become Zoom experts. I really feel right now for all the comedians, it's pivot or die. Um, If you don't evolve, if you don't keep up with this and and Zoom is great and I have a Zoom Pro account so I can host it if I want. But I gotta tell you, StreamYard is very interesting too. If anybody wants to uh, try that, um, a limited you can't have as many people in the audience but if you can get five comics up top laughing at your stuff and then just have people in the other rooms but mute them be oh yeah that birthday party i did learn a very important lesson from birthday party thank you for the money but <laughs> what i learned was um i started out nobody everybody's muted it, it it was hurting my soul so i said to the little girl tech person open it up, I'll take my chances. And it was 75 people. I handled the dogs, I handled the <laughs> kids, but it was the guy munching his cereal going. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was gonna long distance kill somebody. That's and uh, But you know, every time you do one of them, you learn the different, my favorite now has become like five people up top, laughers, comedians, whatever, but givers. Because if we can hear a little bit, I I always say, you know, if, you know, I'm like this good, and then when they laugh, I get this good, and when they laugh, you know, it goes like that. Right. So we need a little feedback. I don't have to have 75 people, though, I'd rather, but um, if you can eliminate the dogs, the cats, the kids, oh, birds, birds, fucking parrot. Oh, <laughs>
1: Do your act better than you do?
2: No, I have a girlfriend who can do my act better than I can. Um, (laughs) She just remembers, like, everything. But I find, oh, this is what I'm going to tell you about the COVID brain, and my mind going soft is, I used to do a few malapropisms, and now it's getting, when I was walking with a girlfriend, and I said, you know, you're just like a dog biscuit to me. And I meant, you're a real treat. I mean, literally. this, (laughs) This is getting bad. And what, else? oh, there were, there were a whole bunch of others. Uh, I was like Yogi Bearer, remember when he said like, you know, you come to a fork in the road, take it. I, I understand, I'm like right church, wrong pew. I always have been just a little bit off. <laughs> uh, semi-intelligent, but a little bit off. And, you know, I'll so say I wish I'd been a fly on the ceiling. I mean, I mean a fly on the wall, you know. Oh, I know my favorite, this happened on our show. Well, it wasn't my favorite at the time, but now I'm seeing the humor, is that um, I said, Something about how you should you shouldn't bring a knife to a gunfight, and I said you shouldn't bring a nun to a gunfight, <laughs> which I think is also true. You know? Also true. Well, also true. I would bring a nun to a gunfight. Who's going to shoot a nun? <laughs> it's protection. But
1: you know what's interesting about you know you said somebody munching the cereal or the dogs or the birds because up comedy is really the only art form I, that I can think of where you've got to deal with the audience in real time. Yeah. Because Somebody mouths off at a Broadway show or sneezes, you know, that just they just keep going. Nobody stops to talk to them. Yeah. And in a way, with hecklers, I think we've made it. You know, people will we can complain about it, but as a, and there's the heckler now. Somebody's computer dinging.
2: I'm so I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm
1: Get the notifications off, Jane. Uh,
2: oh 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 gosh! Yes, terribly. Also, okay. turn off the Voices in your
1: head, please, because they. <laughs>
2: They got a lot. No, you don't want to hear them. There's too many of them.
1: But the thing is, we by and it didn't start with our generation, but by playing with hecklers instead of just having them thrown out, we've I won't say we've encouraged it, but we've allowed it to happen.
2: Well, now we call it interaction. (laughs) But, Tony, you know, you do the clubs. Both of you, I think, handle more hecklers than I do. Like, who's going to heckle their mom? You know, but yeah, what what do you guys do? The both of you?
3: I uh I actually don't uh I never have much trouble with hecklers and it's I've always believed it's because of my material it's I I don't offend anybody so it it never really brings it out of people anytime someone's talking it's just that they sort of feel like they want to participate or whatever but it's I I don't even it's been at least 15 years since I've been heckled with you know ill intentions
1: yeah I- disagree. I would say the reason, this is this is a theory that seems to have been proven out, and you're another example of this. The reason you don't get heckled, and people heckle sometimes because they're drunk and they want the attention, or they think they're so drunk they think it's actually a dialogue. I think the reason you don't get heckled is because you wear a, a suit and tie on stage. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Even if I'm wearing, I'm wearing a polo shirt, I've got a collar. Tom is in a t-shirt. If if Tom were on stage and I were on stage, they would talk back to him and not me. Because if you're just a little <laughs> bit more formally dressed, then you're sort of like management and they don't argue.
2: <laughs> you like management. It's
1: difference. And just if the other comedians are in sneakers, and I wear jeans on stage, but usually a, a button down shirt and a sport jacket and not a tie, but shoes. If one comedian is in jeans and sneakers and a t shirt, and another one is in jeans and shoes and a polo shirt, they're going to be nicer to the guy in the jeans and shoes and polisher
2: but i think tony's point is right when you're a cleanish i'm a cleanish comedian i'm guessing you're a clean comic um yeah. we don't get as many um you know uh, people trying to interrupt
1: well tony you've got the ultimate i mean was it on your conan episode when you were on conan or when on the late late show where you told the story about what is essentially the it's, i would call this the ultimate heckler story but <laughs> it was on somebody posting a youtube
3: comment oh uh yes it's funny i haven't told the story in three months so i don't even know if i remember it well uh but i did make after i did conan i made the mistake of reading comments um on youtube no,
2: never. huge mistake <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. i learned my lesson <laughs> uh but i ended up uh, uh One of the persons that one of the people that left a comment, they used their real name, it was very like (laughs) a name, it was uh Jade DeBaron violin, it was a very easy person to find (laughs) online. And uh, they had their own YouTube page. Uh, and the story was that I created 37 YouTube accounts uh, just to crush his little (laughs) violin playing fantasy. And I told the story for years uh, on stage. And people would come up after the show. They would write down his YouTube page. <laughs> and they would go home and trash his YouTube page. Oh, wow. And I finally ran the guy off of YouTube. <laughs> and I have never felt better about myself in my entire life. <laughs> and the funny thing, uh, Jane, you probably uh, you probably know uh, another comedian named Keith Alberstadt. Oh, sure. Uh, very Hello. nice guy. Super yep. nice. Uh, yeah. the, and... <laughs> when I told him that the guy had pulled down all of his videos, Keith was like, oh man, did you feel bad? I was like, are you no, joking?
2: So it didn't kidding. even
3: occur to me that I should have felt bad.
2: No, if you want to know the dark side of Janie Condon during COVID, one of the eight Janie Condon's in North America died. I was not oh, no. happy. Oh.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> one, clo- uh, one step closer to getting that Twitter account back.
1: <laughs> well, what she's not telling you is she also knows the address and lifestyle and habits and description of the other six she's got to knock off. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I got a question I got a question to to wrap things up. Sadly, I'm getting old, uh which means I remember Johnny Carson. And oh, I love Carson. You know, I'm not in the business. I'm not a uh, hey. What are you, a comedian. <laughs> um and and it's like from what I understand like if you did Carson as a comic, that was it. That was like that was Totally. That was, right? what is today's equivalent what's today's equivalent if you're a comic like what is the equivalent of what it was years ago when you like you did you did carson
1: podcast is the equivalent
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is, this i think it, there I will
3: know. there will never be the equivalent because uh-huh. there was three channels back then that's right everyone watched carson and there will never be another time on this earth when one show gets that much attention
2: did he have 46 million viewers once I think Just, I heard. Yeah. Even if it was 26.
3: Cra- crazy crazy numbers. Yeah,
2: yeah, nobody it's all yeah, separated out. And so it, it's hard to uh, it's hard to Netflix specials is a good thing to Yeah, get. they're good.
1: Yeah, but it's not the same. I would say and it's obviously not the same as it used to be but getting to host the White House Correspondence Dinner.
2: Oh, good. would I love, oh, I would good. give my right arm for that okay. one. <laughs> yeah. It's so hard to do that, because I said,
1: listen, I go by Sean Eli, but my last name is Breitbart. Like the president, like Breitbart News, but spelled differently. Like the president, I'm from Queens, and I went to Wharton. How <laughs> can I not be the comedian to host the White House Correspondents <laughs> Dinner?
0: Very cool. I love
2: well, shows like that, that like, I, I love customizing my material like you know for a corporate or for something like that you'd have to dig in and it's not just the president you're doing everybody on the dais um that would be quite a wonderful challenge
3: i think we're uh, opposite comedians jane because there's nothing i hate more than customizing my material oh. for anyone i don't even like mentioning that they sell paint <laughs> like can i just <laughs> do my jokes
0: so so here's the here's here's the last question for today Sorry. if if you had a niece nephew cousin somebody that you actually love someone that you actually care about okay and they said i want to be a comic do you support them do you tell them you're crazy don't do it okay i mean what what, what's the short answer to someone you actually like
3: (laughs) my uh i uh i would tell them that i love it and i've loved the entire process but there's a one of my favorite movie quotes of all time is Tom Hanks in A League of Their Own. And uh, one of the baseball players said, it's hard. He's like, of course it's hard. It's supposed to be hard. Uh, it's the hard that makes it great. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. And so, yes, it's, uh, there have been times that it's not great, but I've, looking back on it from 30,000 feet I've loved the entire process.
1: Cool. I, was, I thought you were going to say there's no crying in baseball.
3: No, that's a good one too, but not my favorite. Yeah. Jane, what would you what would you say? What would you say well, to? Well, my
2: work? son, one of my boys, actually did. Um, they're both moderately amusing, funnier than my husband, but <laughs> low bar. Okay. So anyway, the um, I actually I married a Republican. I like to say somebody's got to sleep with them. But anyway, the. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what was i going to say the um i yeah i saw his graduation show quite by accident uh he's an la boy and uh i he was actually very good but he knows it's a long haul he yeah. he seen me i started late i started when i was 37 i had my two kids not a usual trajectory i couldn't hang out at the comedy clubs i can't hang out at one and two i have kids uh so instead like i go to their games and entertain people in the stands, captive audience. Everyone has their own different little path, but like I really, this is what I was meant to do. Like, and he knows the joy I've gotten, but he also knows you got to take, you got to do your time in the trenches, with the sticky floors and the, um, it's not an easy profession, but um, if you stick with it, you know, you keep getting better. I think it takes at least 10 years to find your persona. Little did I know, after trying a little bit of Rita Rudner, a little Joan Rivers, a little, a Little little then My persona is an uptight Connecticut mom. Guess what? That's what I am. You know, so.
3: Could have saved yourself 10 years. I could
2: have saved myself a, a lot. And then when I write to that, no one can steal from you because that's my right. voice. Well, you know, they tell comics, new
1: comics are constantly asking, how do you find your voice? How do you find your voice? And I finally realized the answer to that question is, you find your voice, your voice finds you. You will naturally gravitate towards what makes you funny and what people laugh at the most. And you'll end up writing jokes to that style and that'll yeah. be who you are.
2: Yeah, and I like to think it's also who you are, but maybe plus 10%, give it a little, because nobody pays to see normal. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, it's a goal, but um, I mean, for a comedian, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, but it's, um, it's the best profession in the world, like.
1: I on. Mean, yeah, standing on stage making people laugh for a living, what could be better than that?
0: <laughs> Getting paid for it. <laughs> I
2: like to say advertising is comedy for money. <laughs>
0: there you go. Well, guys, I really enjoyed this. Uh, oh, this was you. another great session of Coffee in the Clouds with comedians. We're going to have links on the website to your websites, to, to your material, etc., cetera. And uh, hopefully soon the world will go back to semi-normal and you guys get to go back to doing (laughs) what you you do so well, you know, in front of live audiences. But um, Tony, Jane, and Sean, this was another session of Coffee in the Clouds with comedians.
1: Tom, I'll see you next week. Thanks,
2: guys. Thanks Thanks so much. Take care, Uh, guys. See you, Sean.
0: Bye-bye.